Put down your pins, grab your headphones, and turn off the television. It's time for your favorite podcast show that supports people like you and me. Available on all podcast channels and on YouTube. It's the Dr. Bryant Speaks Podcast Show and your host, Dr. Bryant. Hello, everyone. Welcome and thank you for listening and watching. Dr. Bryant Speaks. I am your host, Dr. Bryant. The premise behind this show is to address mental health and focus on the realities to what we can do to support our military veterans and active duty personnel out there in the world. However, since I have started this show, Our followers have grown to more than just military listeners, which is absolutely nothing less than amazing. So I want to welcome first responders and thank you for listening. We hear you and know that we have similar challenges as veterans. Now, if you're new to listening to this broadcast, I want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. I started this because being a veteran for so many, including myself, is no easy task with attempting to transition into being a civilian. However, it is not easy for family members either. So we need to learn how we can support one another to become the successful people we were meant to be. We discuss all sorts of topics that are hot off the press, and includes your responses to questions and answers from the emails, Instagrams, and Facebook messaging. So if you have other topics and you want to continue to contribute, go to drbryanspeaks.com and you will see how you can input your comments and questions and your concerns. Now, If you're listening from iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, or any of the other many podcasting stations that we are blessed to be streaming on, and that includes YouTube, you can access a multiple amount of topics. We have different topics, and they're all there at your convenience. You will hear and see experts and guest speakers That will include family members, military veterans, business owners, veteran affair representatives, and many more. The goal is to ensure we maintain a level of communication to support one another. Understand next steps. Be a resource. And we want to help one another navigate through challenging situations. And speaking of challenging, Today's topic is probably one of the most challenging to deal with. Today's show is about suicide. So I caution you that it might be a delicate topic for some. Maybe you're somebody who's thinking about it as you listen. Whatever you do, hear what I have to say. And know that you are not alone. You know, if you have been following me on this podcast for a while, you know that 
I am always upfront. I'm always communicating about my challenges, my issues. I don't shy away from being honest, open, truthful. And the facts, the data or anything I give you, I research. But you also remember when I started this, I started because I'm in a lot of different groups on Facebook. I'm in the Rangers groups. I'm in the 100% disabled groups, veteran groups, and all of these groups. And they're private because you obviously have to be selected to prove who you are to be in these groups. You know, we talk about a lot of things, a lot of things that are very personal. You know, in a lot of those conversations, you'll see somebody who will reach out and want to talk to somebody. And it amazes me that even though, you know, we always talk about hackers and the privacy of Facebook and, you know, we're concerned about these things from the cyber world. But what I find interesting is that whenever somebody needs help, and it's really specific, there is no small number of people that respond with their personal phone number and say, give me a call. I am always impressed by that. And I guess that's why I continue to be a part of those groups. Sometimes it can be a little redundant. You know, I can't imagine how many times I have read the same thing about, you know, oh, I just got my 100%. What do I do next? You know, I think I've seen that many, many times. Or, you know, can I get SSDI, you know, Social Security Disability? My VSO is not responding. Or should I hire a lawyer to get, you know, it, we see the repetitiveness. Absolutely. But there's a reason and a purpose. But with the good, there's also the bad. And that's when you read and you hear about somebody reporting on losing a friend. And that where it hurts. I think I read that probably about maybe once a week. And that's just, and I'm not on Facebook, like literally 24 seven. So there's probably others that have slipped by me, but I hear about somebody reporting about a friend, a fellow veteran that decided to do something that's irreversible. What is interesting is that I was told that if I kept reading things like this, it would give me ideas or make me sad. No, no. I, I mean, yeah, it makes me sad, but I'm not sure that it would actually influence me any more than I already feel. And then you have those that say the concept of suicide is considered to be done by someone who is weak. And again, I disagree. Not that long ago, I did a show where I actually talked to parents of somebody who committed suicide. And on the show, I talked about that individual and his decision. 
And I'll say that again, that even right now, I feel like that was more of an act of bravery. The premeditation, the information he left, his communication, his purpose, that wasn't done based on fear. He had a mission. And as a soldier, he carried out what he felt was his mission to improve things. So you can argue with me and, uh, and I'm sure we can go back and forth, but I think what I'm just trying to say is I don't like the concept of fear or weakness or whatever to blanket the term suicide. That's, that's not what I'm, that's what I'm trying to uh, describe. I think there's so many different elements that we cannot just assume that it everybody is the same reason behind it. But let's let's talk more about the elements of suicide later in the show. Um, but for now, I want to talk about some data. Um, you know, I do my homework, I do my research, and you know, in this particular show, I was able to get everything I needed from the United States Department of Veteran Affairs. They're one of the leading uh, sources of information when it comes to veterans, uh, specifically mental health. So, and you can got, you can all go and check mentalhealth.va.gov. You can go look it up. Uh, that's where I got my information from. And they have the most current information of 2020. So everything I'm going to give you, I got from there and they have, uh, you know, references, they have footnotes, they have all sorts of details. And I was actually quite impressed when usually I will go and pull data and information from all over, but the VA did an excellent job and I think their standards have definitely improved. And I'll talk more about that too, but, you know, they broke it down. I mean, the mental health aspect obviously has become very important to them. Now, I'm not going to go into details of every single category because there are many. I mean, think about it. There's so many elements to what a person could struggle with. You know, I talked about how when I used to work in healthcare and I worked at the hospitals and I would, you know, I have a few doctor friends before I left. And, you know, you know, doctors find they're very interesting people and especially the neurologists, because they feel like there's always something to learn and their fascination. You should see the way they talk. And I support that because it is fascinating because the brain is an interesting thing. I mean, besides how it's connected to everything in your body. It's the fact that we're still learning. So yet we're talking about mental health and we're trying to, I'm not going to say we're trying to box it in, but we're definitely trying to get a handle on this, right? Because it's a necessity for us to survive. So VA is doing the best they can and they're providing data and they're doing their homework and they're giving that information back. So when they break it down with different categories, I mean, we're talking about sexual, trauma, depression, race, gender, 
I mean, trust me when I tell you, it's a lot more categories than that. In fact, I was actually impressed that they actually included COVID-19 statistics. So that kind of tells you that they're definitely doing their homework and how recent this information is. But the information is not good. The information is not good. The average number of veterans, according to the Department of Veteran Affairs, the average number of veteran suicides per day, it's, it's astonishing. I have a shirt that I bought uh, from a vendor and it's got 22 on it. And it's there, it's there because we're recognizing that that there's 22 suicides a day among veterans. Now, the 2020 report for Department of VA doesn't report the 2020, nor does it report 2019 data in relation to suicides. It only provides other information that they were able to acquire. They go up to 2018 though. Now, the interesting thing is they say in 2018, the number of veteran suicides is 17.6 a day. Okay, 17.6 a day. Now, what I found astonishing is that in 2005, again, this is according to the Department of Veteran Affairs, in 2005, it was 16.6. So you might be thinking, wait a minute, 16.6, 13 years ago, and 17.6? Wow, wait a minute, that's actually pretty good, 13 years. I looked at it as if that's not good, because we have not improved in 13 years. 13 years, we have not lessened the number. They say suicide rates for those engaged in veteran health administration, basically getting care. They said that has dropped in 2018. So if they're not getting care, it's gone up. If you are under the care of VA, the numbers have gone down. Okay, VA stepped it up. They're definitely more involved. And I can say that firsthand because... I remember when I first got out, VA was pitiful, pitiful. And now I got, I can, I got, man, I got a therapist for this, therapist for that. I can email. I mean, I, <laughs> I could practically do everything and get anything. So I, I agree that they definitely stepped their game up compared to how it used to be, which is why I stopped going early on. I would go to a, um, a VA care center, which was a, for me was a um, you know co you know the center that actually had access to your records and they provided professionalism, but they were separate from VA, and I had more success dealing with that than dealing with actual VA representatives. Till now, so getting back to VA and what they've been able to do. 
um, they actually address some of the challenges or some of the things that we deal with suicide, the societal factors, they call it. Now, what that means is basically these are the elements of things that we as people deal with in society. Now, that's everybody. It's not just veterans. It's actually everybody. But as a veteran, this particular challenge could be escalated, could be a stressor. So therefore, they're identifying this as something that we have to actually address, recognize, and hopefully somehow get through it. So one of the categories as a societal issue is economic disparity. Okay, so you heard the buzzword is economic, economy, money, all right? So we, unless you're a one percenter, unless you're Elon Musk, Bill Gates, or whatever, you're going to have challenges with financial. So that's no big surprise. We all, even you don't have to be a veteran to have disparity when it comes to money. Now, <laughs> I, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, I'm a, if you heard my podcast, you know, I was, I'm a professor. Um, and, you know, and I switch hats, you know, it's like I'm a professor, and I'm a veteran, you know, I'm a father, you know, so it's like being able to balance which hat you're wearing. And then when I read and do my homework for the show, I'm doing my homework as a veteran because I'm an advocate. And I get upset because sometimes I read this information and it's like there's just no sympathy or, you know, you don't hear any compassion in the words as being described. So I read that veterans enrolled in VHA care are less likely to be employed and more likely to have lower income levels than veterans not receiving VHA care. Huh. Really? Then I have to put on my professor hat because I'm going to want to get upset because to me, it's like, that's why they're in VHA care. One of the reasons why this combat veteran who can't sleep at night, can't function in society, having a hard time being able to manage medication, become part of society, you know, not being able to, you know, find ways of just sabotaging his existence. That's why he's there, because he was that person who was on the battlefield struggling. And as he came out of the military, whereas you have oh the guy who's a veteran, but he worked at JAG and he sat in the office all day and he was able to get a job. Well, duh. You're disabled. You're required to attend sessions, therapy appointments, constant medication. I mean, if you're 70, 80, 90% disabled or more, of course, you're probably not likely able to work because of the circumstances you're facing. So again, I get upset sometimes because I see that they, whoever wrote that information is only trying to give you facts. They're only trying to give you the information. I get it. I understand. I'm sorry. I hope you have been enjoying the show. Well, do not go anywhere just yet. We have a continuing episode with Dr. Bryant Speaks. 